If you got a Bible, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. Woo! I, I love how we never prepared the speakers for that, that moment right there. And they're all confused. What's going on? We got a culture here at Victory. And uh, I want to title this message, It's Your Move. It's Your Move. Turn to someone next to you and say, It's Your Move. It's Your Move. You've heard the word. You've got the assignment. It's Your Move. 2 Kings chapter 5. And I was praying over what to preach to y'all. I had like four different sermons, and I was going between each one. And then I just felt like this is the one. This is the right word for our church for this weekend. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. The king of Aram had great, uh, was commander of the army of the king of Aram. So there was a man named Naaman, and he was, he was a main leader. He was a general, a captain. He was a great man in the sight of his master. He was highly regarded by people. Uh, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but, everybody say but. Everybody has a but in more ways than one. We all have something we're good at, but there's something we need to work on. We all have something that maybe we're thankful for, but there's something that's missing. Um, and, and it's not bad to have that because that's, that gap is where God shows up. That space is where God wants to move in our lives. That weakness is an invitation to receive his strength, right? Our vulnerable weaknesses are, are really the, the space where God says, that's my favorite space. That's where I want to move. Not where you're strong, but where you're weak, where you need my help. So Naaman was good at this, but he needed help over here. He had leprosy. He had a sickness that he couldn't cure. And bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. So this young girl, she's, uh, she's a foreigner in this land. This is a male-dominated society, and, and she uses her voice in this moment. She says, Mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So here's what we see here. Naaman was strong and mighty, but his weakness was showing. You can hide your weakness for a while, but eventually it starts to show. You can hide your sickness for a while. Leprosy doesn't begin to show at first when you have it. It can sit dormant in a body for five years before it begins to surface on the outside. But eventually what's happening on the inside will begin to surface on the outside. And when that begins to happen, we have, we have a couple of choices. We can try to hide it. We can try to pretend it's not there, ignore it, or we can address it. And this young girl used her voice to speak up and say, God can heal that too. Turn to someone next to you and say, God can heal that too. There's some things that sometimes we aren't sure if God can heal. Well, we see what God did for Jordan. He can heal Jordan's femur. We see what God did for, for other people. We see how God set other people free of certain addictions. But then we wonder, could he do it for this? Could he do it for that? Could he touch that spot? God can heal that too. She was saying, God wants to heal that. And Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl said and told him how there's someone in Israel who can heal me. By all means, the king said, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. So the king felt like maybe if I give you enough wealth and enough you know, fashion and style, we can buy your miracle. We can pay for your life change. We can, we can earn our way into your turnaround. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read this. With this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. 
As soon as the king of Israel read this letter, he tore his robes and he said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? See how he is going to pick a quarrel with me. So the king is angry. He's like, I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm not a God. I'm not able to heal. I'm not able to restore. There's certain things that people can't do. Doctors can't do. Scientists can't do. Counselors can't do. Only the Holy Spirit can do. And I believe you came this week to have an encounter with God, to have, to have God touch areas of your life that you've needed the Holy Spirit to move in, that you've needed complete freedom in, that you've needed complete restoration in, that you've needed a touch from God. And if you haven't got it yet, my prayer is that this final session, you would get it right here, right now. When Elisha, the man of God, overheard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. I love this. This is where the story gets really good. He says, why have you torn your robes? Have that man come to me. Have that man. He's just a man. Have that man come to me. We're just people in need of a savior. No matter how great you are, no matter how many trophies you have, you're just a man. You're just a woman in need of a healer, in need of a great physician. We all need Jesus. We all need his hope. We all need his help. So Elisha says, tell that man to come to me. Have him come to me. And he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. He will know. What if your setback was a setup for God's glory to be revealed? What if your problem, your weakness, your your insufficiency was an invitation for God's glory to be revealed? What if Jordan's life was leading up to this moment so that there would be hundreds, if not thousands of other Jordans in the room or watching online to see what God can do in his life? What if what the enemy meant for harm against you, God's gonna use as a setup for his glory to be revealed, to give a testimony that would change other people had you not walked through it, had you not experienced it. See, there are certain moments where Jesus says, this miracle, this problem, this sickness was a setup for God's glory to be revealed. And in this moment, Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Elisha doesn't even leave the house. He's inside the house just sitting there. I just imagine Elisha sees him out the window. He's like, I'm not going out there. So the horses, the chariots, the whole entourage is outside. And Elisha doesn't go to talk to him. He just sends a message to him. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Go wash yourself. Turn to someone next to you and say, go wash yourself. Go wash. Maybe they needed to hear that. That's why they got baptized today, just getting their bathtub in today. Go wash yourself. Elisha said, he really just said, it's your move. You want it? Go get it. You want a miracle? You want a breakthrough? And oftentimes our miracle, our breakthrough is on the other side of something very humbling. I've never seen life change happen without an act of humility. Humility is your only path forward if you want to see a miracle. 
if you want to see a breakthrough, if you want to see real transformation in your life, it's going to require humility. It's going to require letting go of your ego, your pride, your need to impress everybody. See, Naaman was good at coming across impressive. And that's why, that's why Elisha, I think, was calling him to do something very unimpressive, to go wash in a dirty river without a prophet, without a church service, without a famous pastor with him down in the river. Go do it by yourself. Go do something very humbling on the other. And I I've had this vision about two weeks ago that there was, it was almost like a high school gym. I just, I don't know where, well, I was reading my Bible and I closed my eyes and I was praying. I just saw like this picture of a high school gym. Ash and I, we've attended some, some of our relatives' wrestling matches. And, um, and the gym is filled with multiple mats and multiple wrestling matches happening for different weights and different sizes and, and, and ages. And it's spread across a gym. And I had this vision of this gymnasium of all these believers in a wrestling match. And it was intense. And they were holding each other. They were wrestling with each other. But in the vision, they weren't wrestling against like demons or the devil. They were wrestling against God. And I was reminded of the story of Jacob in the Bible that Jacob had to wrestle with God through the night until finally he surrendered in the wrestling match and God named him, changed his name from deceiver to Israel. And in that shift, in that breakthrough, it was in the wrestling match of, of Jacob fully humbling himself to God that God was able to do the work he needed to do in him. In this moment, I just see this internal wrestling match that that Naaman is having with the prophet's words and with what he feels. In fact, he says in the next verse, in verse 11, Naaman went away angry. Everybody say angry. So Naaman's angry. He's like, what? What? And his first words out of his mouth was, I thought. Oftentimes, my thoughts get in the way of God's plans. My thoughts get in the way of God's commandments. I thought I didn't have to do that. I thought I was past that. I thought I was above that. I thought I graduated that. I thought I already dealt with this. I thought I already went to an altar call. I thought I already repented of that. I thought I already dealed with that. I thought we already talked about this. I thought, and oftentimes I thought gets in the way of I surrender. So I thought, he said, I thought the prophet was going to come out to see me. I thought he would at least leave his house. I thought he would come and stand in front of me and call on the name of the Lord. Watch what he says in verse 11. I thought he was going to call on the name of the Lord, wave his magic wand, and all the, the leprosy would be cured. That he would just touch the spots where I'm sick and he would cure me of leprosy. I thought he was going to do it that way. In verse 12, it says, Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? So here he is. He's saying, there's better places I could wash. There's better plant. There's, there's easier paths for me to see a breakthrough. There's easier ways for me to see the change that I want to see. Couldn't I wash in some cleaner rivers? Couldn't I deal with some less humbling circumstances? Do I really have to go through the rehab? Do I really have to go see the counselor? Do I really need to go down to the altar call? Do I really have to confess my sin? Do I really, what do I, are you telling me I have to do this thing to be cleansed? That I have to wash in a dirty river? So he turned away and he went off in a rage. He went off in a rage. And Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, you would have done it. 
we know you. How much more than when he tells you something small to go wash and be cleansed. So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today, God, on this change that you want to bring in our lives, God, that it's our move for the next thing you want to do in us and through us this year. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Okay, I'm going to make this quick because we're running out of time, but I want to make sure I get the full thought out. Is that okay? Can I preach the word to you? All right, I'll call the band back up in just a moment. Let's go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And um, we're a word church, and I'm a word kind of preacher. So I'm just going to share some, some scriptures with you today that go in line with this idea. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. And one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. What good is it if I just say something, but I don't follow through with an action? Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder, right? Even, even hell believes there's one God. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same ways, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and she sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without actions is dead. So this is the point here is James saying, you're going to have to put some actions with your faith. You can't just hear a great sermon and go, I believe it. You've got to apply it. The real transformation happens in the application. It happens in putting action to what you believe. And before God will change your circumstances, he wants to change you. He wants to change your inside before he changes the outside. Elisha was calling, uh, I keep wanting to say Haman, but it's Naaman. There's a Haman and a Naaman. And, and um, Haman's a whole nother story. But Elisha was calling Naaman to do something that would require an internal change. Pride is an internal thing. I mean, we see it on the outside, but it's an internal, it's an attitude of the heart, a pride, a stubbornness. I know what's best for me. I know what I need to do. I can't learn anything from them. I'm not going to follow instructions if it requires me to do something embarrassing. And that's a pride. And so Elisha was telling him there, there's a change that happens in here before the change happens out here. The external disease you're dealing with has a connection to the internal problems inside your heart. And in order to see a victory, you're going to have to get vulnerable. You're going to have to do something humbling. You're going to have to do something. If you're waiting for me to give you points, I'm already sharing something here. Uh, you're going to have to do something that, that shows how desperate you are for a change in your life. Because until you're desperate enough to do something foolish, 
you'll never see a change. Until you're desperate enough to do something humbling, you'll never see a change. And he deals with his thoughts. So uh, Naaman, yeah, Naaman. Naaman is dealing with this internal, I thought God was going to do it this way. I thought God was going to do it that way. And it isn't until he goes down into the water that he sees a change. I need some help. Um, Can someone help bring that podium down here for me? I'm going to preach down by the water. And I'm looking for someone who's ready to go all in here. And who, who isn't afraid to thank you. Can we give Pastor Antonio a big hand? What an awesome youth pastor we have here. The water for Naaman represented the word of God, the presence of God, the power of God. The miracles that God wanted to bring. Can you bring it a little closer? Thank you so much. Do you want to stand in the water? No, no, you don't have to. I'm going to get in the water. I'm going to get in the water today. But I need some help. Oh, my goodness. I wasn't ready for that. Now, I want to just, I might need your help, Antonio, to hold my mic. But not yet. Not until I I go all the way in here. How many times did Naaman go into the water? Why did he have to go down seven times in this? Why wasn't it just once? Seven, what does the number seven mean? Completion. Seven days in a week. If we're going to see lasting change in our life, we have to develop a complete cycle. A complete repetitive, habitual If you're going to break habits that you do every day, you're going to have to start doing something every day that's different than those bad habits. I believe what Elisha was telling Naaman, I don't know why I keep wanting to say Haman, Naaman, was that you're going to have to do something repetitively if you're going to see see some miracles. and, And Pastor Bill talked about this and Darius Daniels. By the way, how good was each sermon from every single speaker? Literally, I have like 20 pages of notes from each speaker. But notes without actions is what? Sermons without application is, right? So God doesn't want us just to hear the sermon. Last week after I preached the sermon, death to maybe, there was a call to action. Jordan made a change, a humbling action to come down to the altar to surrender his life to Christ. Every sermon has an invitation. After the message, we went over to my mom's house to celebrate my son's birthday. And my mom said, Paul. And Ashley said, Paul, the sermon, it ministered to everybody. And my nephew Isaac goes, not everybody. (laughs) My nephew Isaac just, he keeps me humble. He just reminds me not everybody's touched by the word. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) But the point is, is that there's a requirement. There is an application, a change that has to happen. So go back to that verse there in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 14. I want us just to look at what happens here. So he goes down. Lord, help me with this. Okay, here's, Antonio, I need you to hold this mic. He goes down. I'm going to go down the first time here. (laughs) 
Come on, Jesus. Let's talk about the first dip. Let's talk about the first dip. The first dip, I believe, was dealing with the mind. This week, we've been dealing with changing our minds, renewing our minds to what God thinks. Romans chapter 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The first thing that Naaman tried to do was think his way out of obedience. He was trying to, he goes, I thought I could go into a better river. I thought I wouldn't have to do something so humbling. I thought I wouldn't have to follow the instructions of a prophet that won't even leave his house. This week someone came to me and they said, I want to repent to you, Pastor Paul. Because I've, I've received by so many other speakers and I've had attitude issues towards you. And God dealt with me this week that it's time for me to start receiving from you. And I said, man, hey, I love you. I forgive you. It's all good. They gave me a big hug and they said, I feel like I've missed out on so many messages because of my judgment towards you. And I just got this tear in my eye and I, I've been there before. Right? Because sometimes our thoughts will talk us out of really receiving a message from Lisa Bevere. Or from Bill Johnson, or John Maxwell, or Paul, or Ashley, or Sharon Darty. Well, I just know too. I just, I, I can't learn from that person. Da, da, da. And in this moment, Naaman almost talked himself out of a word that he didn't like from a messenger who didn't do things the way he wanted. Don't miss out on a miracle because your thoughts have pushed someone out of the ability to speak into your life we got to get our minds renewed, and I'm telling you, humility is key. Humility is key. If my mind can come into a humbling place to receive what God wants me to receive, if I can just go, Lord, renew my mind. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. All right, let's go into this second dip here. Come on, Jesus. The second thing God wants to deal with is your mouth. As I get spit out of my mouth here. See, some of us, our mouths have been speaking negative. We've been calling other people things we shouldn't call them. We've been saying things about it. We've been saying stuff over ourselves. We haven't been confessing God's word over our life. We've been looking in the mirror, putting ourselves down. In this moment, right, Naaman wasn't just thinking things. He was saying things to himself. Self-talk. If your self-talk or your private talk is negative about others or about yourself or about God, you'll never experience the miracle God has for you. This year, it's your move. God has already spoken. Now it's time for you to speak. God's already, he's already began a Genesis work in your life. Let there be light. Let there be new things. Let there be fresh stuff. But I got to get my words in line with God's words. I've got to begin speaking life. Over me, over my children, over my wife, over other people. How many of y'all need to get better at speaking some better words over yourself and over others? How about 2023 is a year that you let Jesus lead? Let him lead your language this year. If you've had trouble just saying negative things or cussing or just speaking whatever it is that's on your mind, just letting things out of your mouth, that this would be a year you just put a guard over your mouth and you say, God, I'm going to let you lead my words this year. And the second I say something I shouldn't have said, I'm going to repent of it, and I'm going to allow you to cleanse me. All right, you ready to wash again? Here we go. Woo! Woo! 
All right, the third thing God wants to deal with is your vision. Uh, <laughs> y'all are like, I'm not used to seeing you like this. Me neither. I'm not, like, I'm not used to preaching like this. Normally I have other people doing my, my illustrations. Now I'm getting a taste of my own medicine, Daniel Henshaw. Your vision. Pastor Lisa Bevere preached about this this morning, and, and even Bill Johnson touched on it yesterday. Being able to see what God sees. That if you're going to have victory this year, you got to get a vision for victory this year. To see what God sees. What does God see in your future? God sees you growing into the man, the woman he's called you to be. My dad used to speak things over us of what he saw. You're a mighty man of God. In, in moments where we felt like maybe we were not that great. Uh, I remember him speaking it over other people. Just a vision over other people that I thought... Dad, don't you know the current reality is they're, they're like addicted, they're messed up, sleeping around, doing all kinds of bad stuff. But my dad had a vision that was bigger than their current reality. And he was seeing the potential of where God wanted to take them. That God had a vision. And listen, a vision is something not just that we see, it's something we need to write down. This year I started writing down in my journal a vision I have for victory. That every single week we're going to see revival in our church that altars are going to be filled, that the youth group is overflowing, that Sunday 11 a.m. services are packed, that there's not a, a seat left in the room, that people are coming from the north, south, east, and west. Habakkuk says write the vision down so that you can run with it. I've got a vision to reach people in other nations. I've got a vision that we're going to begin doing uh, greater missions trips and evangelism this next year, that we're going to see an increase of people going out into the streets locally and globally, reaching people with God's love. And I'm writing that vision down. Then a vision that Ashley and I have for our family, for our children. God wants to wash your mind to have a vision that he has for you. I want the band to come out because i got like four more dips left. Here we go. All right, the fourth thing God wants to deal with is your habits. What habits have you allowed into your life that you need to break this year? What habits that God wants to change in your life? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, I set before you life or death, blessings or curses. Choose today. It's your move, my friends. It's your choice what habits do you want to allow into your life this year? What are you going to repeat every day? What if you made a habit every day of praying at the start of your day? I love that Lisa really challenged us to not open our phones up and go immediately to emails, work, social media, uh, entertainment, news articles, that our first thing we should do in the morning is either worship or pray. That we start our day off. What habits do you want to start this year? Applying into your life. What if every single day you started with prayer? What if every single day, come on, we, we talked about this last week, that the NFL was experiencing revival a week ago as they saw these grown men on the field, on their knees, praying together. Their first response in a crisis was prayer. In order for our first response in a crisis to be prayer, we got to have habits of daily praying in our life. Because your habits come out in a crisis. Your habits are revealed when you're walking through something that doesn't make sense. What are you doing on a daily basis? Getting in the word of God. That you just spend time in prayer. Spend time in the word. Spend time on habits that are going to grow you this year. Some of you, some of us in this room, we got to get some better habits, not just spiritually, but physically. That we would get outside more this year. That we would get more, uh, that we would get more exercise in this year. 
And I'm telling you, there is a connection between the physical and the spiritual. There's something about doing something in the physical that also connects with the spiritual. That's why fasting and prayer, those two things go together. It shifts our appetite for more of God. We're replacing something that we crave physically with something we need spiritually. All right, here we go. Dip number five. Come on, Jesus. Y'all better cheer on dip number seven, y'all. I'm doing this for you guys. All right. Number five is my attitude. There's an attitude issue that I've seen growing more and more. You know, um, Bill Johnson talked about this at the luncheon yesterday. He said, right now we're seeing people build entire platforms off of an offense towards somebody else. Entire ministries built from an offended place, just attitude. I'm just angry at the church. Uh, uh, people building a platform, just angry at men. Or I'm angry at this, or they won't let me do this. And so I'm, and he said that that no, number one, God never blesses a bad attitude, God never blesses an offended attitude, God never blesses a complaining attitude. The Israelites missed out on the promised land because they just grumbled and complained. Well, why did God not do, why didn't God give us better food? Why did God bring us out of Egypt, but now we got to walk through a wilderness? And they're complaining that attitude limited their altitude. In order for God to do a miracle in your life, Naaman, Paul, Ashley, I've got to get my attitude in a place of humility. To say, Lord, if there's anything, if there's any pride in my attitude, if there's any complaining, if there's any shame in my attitude, if there's any anger in my, just a resentful chip on my shoulder, mad at people, Lord, help me to, to live this year with a pure heart, with an attitude of praise. Lord, help me to live this year with an attitude of gratitude, that I'm more thankful than I am complaining about what's going on. All right, here we go, number six. Come on. What is he saying? Yeah, my son's got note cards for me down here. He's saying, do it seven times, Daddy. Do it seven times. I will. I will, son. Number six is my surroundings. God had to get Naaman out of his comfortable surroundings to do a miracle. Naaman wanted to dip in a river that he knew. He wanted to be in a place that was easy for him, that he understood, that he had seen what's in the water. He, he understood, but his surroundings had to shift in order for God to do the new thing in him. And one thing that I, I feel in my heart to challenge all of us is to do something new this year. If you've never served on the dream team, start serving. If you've never led a connect group or, or gone to a connect group at Victory, start, start leading one or get involved in one. If you've never gone through our discipleship track, get in our men's and women's discipleship track this year. If you've never joined the church and you're just kind of attending, this year is your year to go all in. Come to our growth track, get involved this year. If you've never served at the Tulsa Dream Center, get involved in the Tulsa Dream Center this year. If you aren't helping out mentoring a young teenager, don't complain about teenagers. Get involved with helping shape and raise up the next generation. Get involved in Victory Children's Church. Pastor Amy is always telling me, man, we need more moms and dads and teenagers, young adults that have a calling to invest into the next generation of children, Liam and Benny. And we need more men and women that have a calling. It might be an uncomfortable environment at first, but I'm telling you, your breakthrough is on the other side of something fresh and new that God wants to do in you and through you this year. All right, here we go, dip number seven. Yeah. 
Come on, stand to your feet all over this place. Tip, <laughs> Tip number seven. Tip number seven is the heart. Ultimately, God wants to heal your heart. He wants to heal you of spiritual hurt. He wants to heal you of relational hurt. He wants to heal you of pain that you've been carrying around, wounds you've been carrying around, grief. There was a moment where God spoke to Samuel the prophet, your grieving time is up. It's time to move forward. There's a time to grieve. There's a time to lament. And then there's a time to move forward. And I believe God wants to bring healing to some hearts today. God wants to bring healing to some homes today. Some disappointment you walked through in 2022. Don't let it go with you into 2023. That this would be a year that you go, I'm releasing it. I'm throwing it in the Jordan River. I'm dipping. I'm letting him renew my mind about people, about things, about stuff that I carried wounds towards, anger, rocks that I was holding towards churches, towards people. This is a year to get healed in your heart. This is a year to let God do a fresh work in your life. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place? Lord, we just thank you, God, just for your goodness and your grace. Lord, I just feel even just refreshed going down in that water. I just feel like, Lord, I'm just drenched in your grace and your mercy. And God, I'm praying for people today that just need to release shame they've been holding. Hurt, disappointment, failure. Just because you missed it doesn't mean you're a failure. God has fresh things for you, new things for you. This is a year God wants to bring honor into your life. God wants to restore. He wants to heal. He wants to reconcile. Naaman, he wants to heal you. The Bible says after the seventh time, Naaman's leprosy completely left him. All the skin disease was gone. Today is a day to get healed, to get restored, to get free, to start the process. Maybe today is the beginning of the dipping. Maybe today is the, the beginning of starting some new habits in your life. Fully surrendering. Really taking this conference and going, I'm not just going to hear it. I'm not just going to write about it in my journal. I'm going to apply it in my life. This is a year God wants you to move in the prophetic. This is a year God wants you to move into a new realm of spiritual authority over the enemy. And so with heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you all over this room, I want you to just lift your hand up. If I'm talking to you. And you're saying, it, it, yeah, there's some moves that I need to make. There's some things that I need to apply today all over this room. If you raised your hand or you wanted to raise your hand, I want you to just leave your seat. Come and find a place at this altar. Let's make this altar just a consecrated, almost like the Jordan River, saying I am going down into that river. I'm laying down my pride. I'm laying down my fear. I'm laying down shame. I'm laying down hurts. I'm laying down disappointments. I'm laying down failure. I'm laying down wounds and offenses. And I am picking up a fresh attitude of renewed mind, a renewed vision, a renewed heart, a, re a renewed mind in Jesus' name. Let's just worship God all over this place.
the Holy Spirit wants to give you a renewed hope. He wants to wash you. He wants to lead you. He wants to impart into you the gifts of the Spirit. That you would move in those gifts this year. just move right here right now just receive from him he, he loves you so much he's pouring out his spirit on you you don't have to fight him anymore he is for you He's not against you. And he has good things for you. He has favor for you. He's your father. He's your healer. He's your redeemer. your deliverer and he's making all things new he's making all things new get ready for greater Get ready for greater. He's taking you higher. Holy 
if you need healing today, would you just raise your hand? If, if there's something you're, you're needing healing in today, maybe it could be a skin disease, maybe it's a sickness, something the doctor diagnosed you with, or maybe you just need healing in your heart, your mind. You're here today and you just, you've been struggling with a lot of mental and emotional pain that just has felt impossible to, to get free from, impossible to heal. In Jesus' name, God of the impossible, who makes what is impossible possible. We speak healing today over sickness and disease. God, over skin disease. Lord, over eyes and ears and minds and hearts. If you're a believer, just put your hand on that person that raised their hand. If their hand is raised, you just put your hand on their shoulder. You just come into agreement. Today is a day of healing. Today is a day of breakthrough. Today is a day of miracles in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you, God, for blind eyes being open, deaf ears being open. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for healing of sickness. Cancer has to go. Leukemia has to go. Leprosy has to go. Lymphoma has to go in Jesus' name. That's it. If you're a believer, you just pray for them. Lord, I pray for healing. You could pray for that person beside you, behind you. God wants to use you today to, to pray for healing. It's not your responsibility to heal them. It's God's. But it's our calling as believers to pray, to believe, to lay hands on the sick, and to pray for healing. So today, God, we release our faith. Lord, we trust in you. We ask you, Lord, to heal them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. I thank you, Lord, for a, a person's spine being healed today. Lord, their lower back being healed today. In Jesus' name. I just pray, God, just for rest for people that have been tired, people that haven't been able to get sleep. I just feel like there's some of you, you've, the sickness is that you haven't been able to sleep at night. And you during the day, it's just been hard. You've been tired, but you don't know how to get good sleep. And the enemy's been messy. He's been robbing you of the strength and energy of just a well-rested night. Lord, I pray that tonight, God, 
Lord, the, the lady in the room that's been wrestling just to get good sleep, Lord, that tonight she's going to have her first night in a long time of great sleep. And God, I thank you, Lord, just for those that have been wrestling with that, just that they would just have a renewed rest. God, strength, good sleep. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, for those that have been wrestling with anxiety during the night, Lord, in the morning. I just pray in Jesus' name, peace be still, a sound mind this year, that 2023, God, they would operate without anxiety, driving them, leading them, guiding them. I thank you, Lord, just for a sound mind this year, that panic attacks are being healed today, God, that no more panic attacks for that man anymore, in Jesus' name. Depression is being lifted off of your mind, in Jesus' name. You're going to get joy. You're going to have sustainable joy. You're going to have a sustainable energy to be at work, to be to enjoy being in the present. You're not going to have to be dwelling on, on feelings of the past or the future, in Jesus' name. God, I thank you just for a present mind. Lord, I pray for someone's heart, God, that's been broken in a relationship, God, in a family, in a home. Lord, I thank you that you're healing her heart, God. You're healing his heart. Lord, you're, you're breathing fresh life. You're mending the pieces of the heart back together, God. And I thank you, Lord, that they're going to feel that healed heart. Lord, at the start of this year, they're going to they're gonna begin, Lord, uh, trusting again. They're going to begin loving again. They're going to begin uh, just feeling alive again in Jesus' name. Lord, we receive that today. We receive everything you've spoken to us this week. And I thank you that you're just getting started for what you want to do in us and through us. Just say this with me. Jesus, I surrender to you. Thank you for what you've started in me. You'll be faithful to finish it. Lord, I give you this year. Do what you want to do in me, through me, for your glory. I believe the best is right in front of me, and I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God praise for an amazing week this week? Hey, before we dismiss, how many of y'all felt like you got healed this week of a sickness, a disease? You felt like you had a, a healing or a breakthrough? Keep your hands up all over this room. I like what Bill Johnson did. Would you wave both of your hands so we can see it around the room, people that experienced a healing or a miracle. Come on, Jesus. God is real. God is good. We love you. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for being part of Victory Conference. Love you guys. God bless you.